All right, everybody. Welcome, everyone, to the Canadian Perspective, your source for leftist political news. This is the solo episode, right? I am recording this on December 24th, Christmas Eve. And actually, before we start, I just want to uh, give a heads up to people who are listening to the audio version that if you want to get um, the images and pictures and the articles that I'm reading and see the videos that I show, then you're, you might want to check out the YouTube version of the podcast. You know, maybe consider giving that those of you. But yeah, let's, let's continue. And we got a lot of gifts. The left got a lot of good news. Uh, and gifts for this Christmas that I'm I'm glad to share with everybody here. There are a lot of stories. Uh, I gotta tell you, we got we got a win in Chile. They elected a socialist uh, in their recent election. The left, so that's a big win for the left, especially for the country that you know historically has been um, uh, the right wing, basically neo-fascist type of movement. Fucked that whole country up from 1973 until, well, basically until today. But we'll see if that changes after this new guy's election. We got, there was a success. Uh, The Kellogg strike was successful. The workers agreed on a contract that was good for the workers. And also we'll talk about that. We got some good news coming from Canada. Canada's starting the process. Not quite there, but we're starting the process of banning single-use plastics, which is nice and also... Nice, at the same time, bittersweet when you look at our other environmental um, protections that we have, especially producing oil. Kimberly Potter, the woman who shot and killed Dante Wright, I think we showed this, I'm not sure if we showed this clip or we watched it on air at one point, when uh, she accidentally pulled out the, her gun instead of, um, instead of the taser and shot him multiple times in the chest. She was found guilty. So we got we got about a lot of stuff. We got a lot of stuff here. So starting off, we'll talk about the good news coming out of Chile, which is that uh, they have elected a basically a socialist to be uh, their leader. Now, the last time this happens, though, we got to keep in mind the last time it happened, um, the United States supported a general by the name of Augusto Pinochet, uh, and then they overthrew the government and in a coup d'état. And then they basically murdered all the leftists. That, that's what happened the last time a socialist was elected in Chile. So, you know, they better, better keep your eyes peeled, right? Um, you never know what, 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 might, what, they might, what tricks they might pull, you know? Or they might just pull a Venezuela and send, like, a couple dudes in, what, paintball masks to get uh, arrested by a bunch of, uh, of fishermen. So, anyways, how, this, how it played out was, <clears throat> on the ballot, there was only two parties or two options for you to vote for which was a broad coalition of the left and then a broad coalition of the right i guess that's generally how they do it for chile okay so maybe i wasn't right no there was multiple people on the bill right but the two that really had a chance or really got like 90 percent of the vote were were the agrebo dignidad and the christian social front now, this is actually following a new constitution being written in the country, which is, but yeah, the results were pretty good. So we're looking at 55.87% of the vote went to Gabriel Boric for the Social Conversions Party, and then they're under the alliance Apruebo Dignidad. Um, so like I was saying, it's like so just a big conglomeration of all of the parties. And he beat out 
Jose Antonio Cast, a member of the Christian, uh, a member of the Republican Party in Chile, and of the Christian Social Front, which is the uh, basically the right wing alliance or just you know the big umbrella for the right wing party. Now, something interesting is that this dude, Jose Antonio Cast, his dad was literally a Nazi. That's not a joke. I'll show you right here. His father was Michael Cast. You see, Michael Cast, his descendants are Jose Antonio Cast. This motherfucker was born in Germany. He was a member of the Nazi party and fled in 1950 after the denazification of Germany. This son of a bitch should be in jail. In April 1945, his dad, Cast, escaped from custody during a guard change and fled back to Bavaria on foot using rat lines. A false idea indicating he was a member of the National Committee of the Red Cross, according to journalist Javier. And then he fled to Chile, because at the time, Chile was a very popular place for, a very popular place for members of the Nazi party, like a lot of places in South America, which uh, were places that they fled to, because at the time, they were granting them amnesty, uh, which was terrible. But, uh, yeah, so this motherfucker, <laughs> so this dude obviously has inherited a lot of the views of his father, if you look at his political positions. Far-right politician. Supported the dictator Augusto Pinochet. This is the guy I was talking about the United States supported in overthrowing the democratically elected socialist government in 1973. This, the coup d'etat happened on September 11th. And uh, they murdered a lot of people. They murdered uh, roughly 80,000 um, leftists and communists and socialists were uh, murdered and, well, or quote-unquote disappeared, first tortured Right? Their family members as well, oftentimes, were kidnapped and tortured as well, trying to extract information out of them. And then they were, you know, disappeared, murdered, dropped out of helicopters into the ocean. Terrible things, right? And he wants that. This right wing, the right wing options in this part, sorry, in this election, wanted that to happen again. He was like, yeah, that was pretty, pretty based when that occurred, right? Which is unbelievable. So... And after the, uh, and just to gauge the public's opinion, remember in 2019, um, we may have talked about this at some point, but there was a massive uh, a protest, and the leftist who was elected, Gabriel Boric, he was one of the student leaders of the protest, because it happened from one of the universities, um, that was one of the organization points. He was one of the leaders, and his base party, Social Convergence, is basically the, um, the libertarian leftist sort of anarchistic um, type of party in Chile. So, so it was so it's fantastic that they chose him as to be the uh, leader of the uh, so-called um, alliance, and it's fantastic that we got a win. Um, let's see if we can actually see some uh, some changes there. But yeah, so that's good news, eh? Isn't that great, guys? Eh, we got we got some good fucking news, right? So moving on from that. Um, I'd be interested to see how this continues. I do believe the Chilean, what the fuck is the name of their currency? Basically, the Chilean currency's value dropped significantly after he was, uh, after the election results were announced and it was official that he would be the president-elect. Um, yes, because of Chile had been just ripped apart through all the foreign investments over the years. Foreign investment, foreign capital, just buying up all of the previously socially owned enterprises. 
and uh, extracting as much capital as they could out of it, right? That's why that's what the economic policy of the dictatorship for all those years was basically for. So we await to see how this presidency goes. So continuing on with the good news, the Kellogg strike, the Kellogg strike that those people, those redditors. Uh, helped out by by you know crashing the uh, their website Kellogg's website when they attempted to get those scabs to replace the good workers. Um, the Kellogg strike has reached a conclusion with a worker win. That's right, a workers have won in this situation. We got uh, so on December twenty first. This was three days ago. Workers voted to accept a new proposed five year contract to end the strike. And the union highlights that this new agreement includes no permanent two-tier system, which is basically when um, uh, long-term workers get paid more than, um, than uh, temporary employees. Yeah, lower-tier workers make less than longer-tenured workers, you see? Uh, so that's no longer in the situation. Um, because what that means is that if, if you're a temporary worker and you're working the same job uh, alongside somebody who is a long tenure worker even though you're doing the exact same tasks you're getting paid less which is bullshit right so that's gone they have a clear path if you're a temporary worker you have a clear path now to full-time employment fantastic um oh this part is great they have a plant closing moratorium no plant shutdowns through until october 2026 so kellogg's cannot shut down a plant until then which is fantastic. That ensures a lot of jobs are safe or mostly safe from um, outsourcing, which is great. And of course, you know, a significant increase in the pension multiplier and maintenance of the cost of living raises. I'm not quite sure what that means, but it sounds great. And the union that was behind all this, of course, deserves recognition. The Bakery, Confectionery, Tobacco Workers and Grain Millers International Union, which is a mouthful, right? But I mean... That's a success, eh? Success of unions in the United States. It's just lovely. Hopefully we see, you know, especially after the horrible, horrible things that that occurred with the, you know, Amazon factories when they attempted to unionize, I think, in Arizona. And they have to do another uh, vote because it was blatantly obvious to from just looking at the story. The Amazon was <laughs> severely interfering with the unionization attempt, which was illegal. And so now they have to do another vote because um, the unionization effort failed there in that initial vote. But, you know, of course, the Amazon had their fingers in there. And then uh, you know, also with the tornado ripping through that one place, I'm going to pull up a, a picture, an image that I saw. Here we go. So we got some more information. This was good. About the tornado that struck the, the Amazon uh, fulfillment center in Illinois. So read this. This is from this is a text ex exchange between one of the drivers and Amazon's dispatch. This was on the night of the tornado. So the driver says, "Quote: Radio has been going off. Dispatch. Okay, just keep driving. We can't just call people back for a warning unless Amazon tells us to do so." Interesting. Now Amazon tells us. You may be asking. Okay, I thought he's talking to Amazon. Well, no. Remember what we said. In the last story, Amazon likes to subcontract um, smaller management companies to then handle the drivers, right? So that keeps their hands, you know, relatively bloodless, you know, at least when at first glance. This is um, 
a tactic that the uh, garment garment manufacturers like to use as well when it comes to sweatshop labor they don't directly run the sweatshops they like to hire a subcontractor that then hires the sweatshop but they know exactly what's going on there right so dispatch is saying yeah you can't come back unless amazon tells you the driver quotes just relaying in case y'all didn't hear it over there that was at 7 40 p.m and then the driver says tornado alarms are going off over here dispatch says just keep delivering for now we have to wait for word from amazon if we need to bring people back the decision will ultimately be up to them i will let you know if the situation changes at all i'm talking with them now about it okay so that's not very safe now is it? i mean if they're if the city's gonna sound off the fucking tornado alarm there's gonna be a fucking tornado i think that goes without saying <laughs> that the safest bet is to do that right is to come back the driver then quote says how about for my own personal safety i'm going to head back having alarms going off next to me and nothing but locked buildings around me isn't sheltering in place that's wanting to turn this van into a casket hour left of delivery time and if you look at the radar the worst of the storm is going to be right on top of me in 30 minutes um it was actual sirens and the dispatch responds and this is crucial they say quote if you decide to come back that choice is yours but i can tell you it won't be viewed as for your own safety the safest practice is to stay exactly where you are. If you decide to return with your packages, it will be viewed as you refusing your route, which will ultimately end with you not having a job come tomorrow morning. The sirens are just a warning. Holy shit. So remember how I said before, there was legislation that was stopped by multiple different, basically, groups that are being lobbied, right, that are speaking on behalf of big corporations one of them being amazon that if passed in illinois would have made it illegal to fire workers who are trying to get to a safe place during because of weather conditions tornadoes right um and how that was blocked right by amazon and this literally happened the dispatch is saying if you come back it's most likely you will be fired if you come back for safety from a fucking tornado you're gonna lose your job probably which is just wild. That is crazy, man. Holy shit. Actually, and you know what? Here is the original uh, screenshots of that text conversation. And then after, he, after that, that fucking very dark text by the dispatch, um, the driver says, I'm literally stuck in this damn van without a safe place to go with a tornado on the ground. And the dispatch responds, Amazon is saying shelter in place. I will let you know when they say anything else to me. You need to shelter in place. The wind just came through the warehouse and ripped the RTS garage door and broke it. So even if you go, got back here, you can't get in the building. You need to stop and shelter in place. And then the driver then responds, okay. Yeah, bro, you know, if he had returned earlier, you know, when the shit started to go off, it wouldn't have, the door, garage door wouldn't have been ripped off. Okay. And he would have been able to get in there safely. So, you know, this is just uh, uh, this is a good look at, at how Amazon subcontractors treat the drivers. And also, by extension, Amazon knows this is exactly what's happening, um, which is disgusting. I do believe this worker uh, survived, which is great. Yes, this, this worker is one who, who survived, which is great. But damn. So yeah, this is more damning evidence. I mean, fuck Amazon. They need a goddamn union and they need some fucking laws in place that are going to protect the workers because holy shit, that dude's lucky he did not die. Um, just extreme ineptitude from the top to the bottom. I mean, wow. But yeah, 
But yeah, hopefully we'll one day they'll get good news that Amazon workers have unionized. But we'll see. Anyways, continuing on from that story, we're looking at we're going to jump to Canada with more good news. Canada has basically started, just started, really, uh, on the path to ban the single-use plastics, right? So, basically, the single-use plastics prohibition regulations were introduced as a, quote, draft regulation. I'm not quite sure what that was. I had to look it up. But this was introduced on December 21st. Of course, you know, three days ago. And um, basically, draft legislation is a way of releasing a bill or regulation in a format that's available for public comment before it is formally introduced into the parliament and legislative process. So it hasn't even reached its first reading yet. So this is really early. Um, but I, I mean, I guess it's good that they're releasing it for public comment. I guess that's fantastic. I mean, honestly, I guess they should be doing that for more bills uh, than just this one. Um, right? It's not a good sign that I've never heard of this type of. Uh, draft regulation or draft legislation process so you know but yes it was the liberal minister of the environment and climate change stephen gilbert who was one of the authors of this and brought it forward so basically um the provisions in this regulation would prevent twenty-three thousand tons of plastic pollution from entering the environment over a 10-year period and the government wants to finalize these regulations and, like, get them in place as early as late 2022. You know, that's, of course, you know, before, after reviewing and considering all the comments they received. So that's actually kind of late. 2022, it's like, yeah, bro, we'll get to it years from now. And that's after all the initial research that they did was conducted in October of 2020. The uh, science assessment of plastic pollution. So, you know, it's just, I mean, the liberals, they like to drag their feet but uh but yeah so far only nine percent of plastics in canada are being recycled something else all the, some other good stuff that's in this uh this provision is that ensuring all plastic packaging in canada in canada contains at least 50 percent recycled content by 2030 they were achieving an ambitious recycling target of 90 percent which is something that quebec is trying to do and the european union are have set that target as well and also prohibiting misleading recycling labeling. So for stuff that's not supported by recycling facilities, right? So this shit, this is recyclable. Put in the recycling, they're like, we don't know what the fuck to do with this. This is not recyclable, bro. And then it goes in the landfill. So yes, now that is good. They are doing this. And we'll take a win wherever we can. Albeit pretty early to already be celebrating. And also not quite exactly what we're looking for. Because... Yeah, bro, like, great. You're going to try and save the environment by getting rid of the single-use plastics. That's fantastic. Um, what about the fucking $18 billion of uh, subsidies we give to the oil industry uh, per year? What about that? Are we going to do anything about those? No? We're not going to stop any of those, uh, those oil subsidies? Are we going to not build any more pipelines? Because the pipelines, all pipelines leak. And, of course, the... the um, extraction process of removing and you know just fucking drilling oil from the ground like the effect that has on the environment and building the pipelines the effect that it has on the environment is way more worse than single-use plastics and it's like this is the best you're gonna get from the liberals really federally 
is them banning single-use plastics, right? That's all you're going to get. You're not going to get any of the stuff, but them being tough on the fossil fuel industry, you're not going to get any of that shit. And the conservatives probably wouldn't even have done this. I'm going to go out and say. So, yeah, that's great and all, but bro, there's like a big... <laughs> it's, like, it's like putting a bandage over a cut, and then right next to that cut is like a fucking giant flesh wound. And then they're trying to celebrate and say, oh yeah, we healed your uh, wound. It's like, no bro, I'm still fucking bleeding out. I'm still bleeding out, and you're not doing anything about it. Just to keep that in mind. So that's why I say this is sort of a bittersweet legislation. I guess we'll see if how that even goes, like where that's going to head. Anyways, more news coming out of Canada. This is from the Toronto Sun. And that is that it appears the feds, I guess it would be CSIS, admit to tracking 33 million mobile phone devices during the lockdown. And they say it's due to, um, you know, doing the whole contact tracing bullshit. But I don't know if that was necessarily, I don't know if that was necessarily consentful, right, in the way that they're, they're saying it. Agency says cell tower locators were used. This is the public health agency. They say cell tower locators were used to, quote, understand the public's responsiveness during lockdown measures. Quote, due to the urgency of the pandemic, the agency collected and used mobility data such as cell tower location data throughout the COVID-19 response. It was to help understand possible links between the movement of populations within Canada and COVID. Remember they came up with that app? That, that was um, to see if another person has tested positive and all that bullshit or something like that, right? I think it was the Canadian government that came up with that. And that would be consensual, right? If they, if they took location data from that app. I mean, consensual, you know, they could just hide it in the, uh, in the terms of service and all that bullshit when you, you have to agree to when you install the app. But still, at least that would be something like that. But no, instead, the public health agency is like, no, motherfucker, we're doing CSIS, you know, NSA tactics. Or we're just going to track your fucking movements. And the dangerous thing is, it's been proposed the program be extended for up to five more years. Hmm. The agency says those contractors must make sure information is, quote, cleaned and processed. And, quote, demographic and population information doesn't name individuals. Okay, sure, buddy. Uh, and yes, it's been proposed to extend it up to five years. And the cabinet has yet to legislate any pandemic-related privacy safeguards. Oh, Jesus Christ. So, yeah, on one hand, we like the government trying to protect the, the citizens, right? We like, you know, by making sure everybody's vaccinated and shit. And then there's a part of that that is semi-authoritarian, right? That it's good to have a centralized government that's able to do that. So that way, you know, we don't have people dying from a disease that's preventable. Well, now it's preventable. But uh, on the other hand, you know, they're going to abuse the shit out of that. Oh, Jesus. And that's an example right there. They're going to extend the program or they, they propose to extend the program by five years. And there's no privacy safeguards so far that for pandemic related information. So when has when has the government ever said no to collecting people's information? Right. When have they ever done that? Uh, there are some things that under law, the Canadian government cannot uh, collect from from people. And you know what they do? They go to the United States and they ask the United States, hey, can you spy on our citizens and then give us the data? And they're like, sure. They, the NSA spies on Canadian citizens and collects their, you know, from the ISPs that are the internet service providers that are shared between the United States and Canada. They get their fucking data and then give it to the Canadian government. They see that's a loophole. 
because it's illegal for the Canadian government to spy. Do so you see that loophole there? Bro, they're gonna, they're gonna keep this shit. They're gonna keep doing this fucking shit, right? They're gonna be pinging everybody's cell location. Oh, God. I just want COVID to end, bro. Why you gotta, why you gotta be, uh, fucking looking at my dick pics and watching me jack off? Like, come on, man. <laughs> come on, dog. Oh, fuck. Anyways, that's not necessarily good news, but, you know. Uh, yes. So, oh, something I mentioned in the opening. There's that one video. Uh, as part of the multitude of videos that there are of um, black people being uh, murdered by the police in the United States, unarmed, usually. And uh, actually, let's see if I can pull up that video. Um, so, yes, I found some footage. This is the body cam footage of Kimberly Potter. Um, and you'll see what happens here. She mistakens uh, her firearm, her Glock, for a taser. And so she intended to tase him, or at least that's what it seems like. Uh, but instead, she pulled out her uh, her nine mil and blasted him in the chest uh, before he took off. So watch this footage. So of course, NBC News has removed that. You know, the actual gun being shot. But yes, you can hear her shouting taser, taser, taser. She's got a fucking gun in her hand, though, and she blasts him. And there's also other footage of her uh, laying on the ground post-shooting him. Uh, and she is absolutely distraught. Yes! Hey. I grabbed the wrong fucking gun! I shot him! <laughs> okay, I'm sorry. I shouldn't be laughing. But the cops just—he's in cop mode, right? Every woman is, ma'am, ma'am, sit down. Like, bro, she's a fellow officer. What the fuck? <laughs> I'm sorry. Oh god. Anyways, but yeah, she was distraught over that. The jury came out, but you know, guess what? You shouldn't have fucking mistaken uh, your gun for your taser. That's uh, like, isn't there a fucking thing called training that you? go through to make sure that doesn't happen uh and so the jury after deliberating for four days during the trial uh basically came to the decision um that she would be guilty of two crimes and only one is shown here which is uh first degree manslaughter predicated on reckless use slash handling of a firearm and so you that could land you 15 years in prison but because she doesn't have a criminal history and this is in minnesota um, she's only going to get between 6 and 8.5 years in prison. Sentencing from the judge. Potter, who was white, displayed no emotion as the verdicts were read and was ordered held without bail. One of her lawyers rested his head on his hand at the defense. He was like, fuck, man. Oh, God. That's kind of strange. Yeah, during the trial, she tried to, like, it's, it, see, here's the thing. Like, that video of her appearing remorseful flies in the face of some of her behavior during the trial of her trying to, uh, do ticks like it seems like she's got some fucking acting coach that's trying to tell her to to appear as if she's um mentally unstable uh i'm gonna see if i can find that video for you oh she was convicted of first and second degree manslaughter in the death of dante wright yeah so this was her during the trial um this is something that i saw sean trying to act like she's bugging out like come on now 
And they decided to stop court over this foolishness. That's what, uh, according to Sean King. <laughs> so, I don't know, man. It's, it's like, you're really going to do that? You're really going to play that game? But yeah, that's, that's fucking manslaughter, dog. And so she's going to go to jail. So, hey, it's a win. It's a win for, uh, well, I mean, as much of a win as it can be, sending one police officer to prison. It's not going to, you know, reform the whole fucking prison system like it should. I mean, reform the whole police it's not going to reform the whole institution of policing or anything, right? This is just um, a small win, a small stroke of justice in these cases. And then also, something I got to show you guys. So we've gotten past most of the good news. We had some bad news in there too, but uh, I have to show you something that happened. The Republicans, so this is for uh, Turning Point USA also known as Toilet Paper USA, which is uh, Charlie Kirk, the disgusting uh, far-right-wing commentator, um, which I do believe we've played a clip of his before where he was reacting to a question from one of his audience members about when they should use the guns on the left. Um, So he, uh, of course, he was shitting his pants because he was like, oh, fuck, I've created a monster. Um, But, you know, that's only in that moment was he showing, uh, telling his audience to be restrained, to show restraint, right? But anyway, so they had their sort of weird convention thing, and fuck, man, it's so weird. They brought out Kyle Rittenhouse, and it's so chilling. Um, the response that he gets from the crowd. So this is when they announced Kyle Rittenhouse's name, and this is the response he gets from the crowd, okay? They have a fucking rap, they have a song playing for him. Remember, this guy, this guy is, is famous for doing what? For fucking shooting and murdering a person. Here's some even better footage right here of... Bro. And okay, he's pop, he's famous because he murdered. He showed up to a, a basically a Black Lives Matter protest and fucking murdered two people. That's all he's contributed. That's all he's done politically in his life so far is do that. And this is the ant this is the response he gets. They are bloodthirsty. The people, the right wingers, the Republicans, the fucking these Dogs, these pieces of fucking garbage that are attending this event. They are so fucking bloodthirsty. All this kid did was murder two people and maim a third, and he got off free. And this and they're excited, they're ecstatic, they love him. This is what you get when you kill. You kill for the right-wing cause. This is how they act. You you are made a hero. And what message does that send to other would-be lone gunmen? You know? would be potent, you know, mass shooters, maybe, you know, would be people who are going to bring fucking guns uh, to to left wing protests as counter protesters like this is saying, hey, yeah, if you if you uh, blast some people and get a legal kill, you're going to be created a hero. And so I wouldn't be surprised if we see a lot more deaths, um, uh, if we see more deaths like 
what happened here with Kyle Rittenhouse. Man, this is fucking scary. This is really scary. You know, you know, I used to say, what was it? After J- January 6th, a lot of everybody there would is ready to be in a death squad, right? One of those, we talked about Chile earlier and they had death squads, right? Pl- groups of people that were not members of the police, but were uh, in coordination with the police. And, um, and they would get lists. They were trained by the, uh, the government, which received, basically the training was from the CIA uh, on how to kill and disappear people. And, and that's basically what happens anytime there's a right-wing dictatorship that takes over is they implement these death squads, anything post-World uh, War II. That's generally the approach that happens. And fuck, man, they are all ready to join one. You know, they're ready to kill people. And this is what happens when you when they meet a fucking killer, they're all excited. So that's just absolutely disgusting. The United States is unhinged. It's frightening. Not good. Not good. Something that is sort of mixed uh, following that terrible story. Something that is mixed. Some mixed info. Yeah, so basically this is a story I'll cover maybe next time when I'm with Derek. But basically is saying that Trump in an interview with, with Candace Owens, Trump says that basically the vaccine is fantastic this is fantastic it's what tremendous believe me everybody we stabbed everybody with the all three needles i came up with them it was me it was me in the lab and that they're tremendous there's never been a better vaccine than the vaccines i made let's get that clear without those vaccines millions of people would have been dead i tell you millions millions the worst we've ever seen since uh influ would have been worse worse than influenza terrible and, you know, everybody should get the vaccine and all that shit. Yeah, we'll cover it with, with, with Derek because uh, I got nothing. I'm out of gas. We're reaching an hour. So, yeah, hopefully you guys enjoyed the solo episode. Hopefully everybody enjoys their Christmas uh, and the new year. Oh, yeah, remember to like and subscribe and follow us on the podcast things. Download the podcast. That's how we get analytics. That's how we know. That's how we know if people are listening is only if you download which is unfortunate. I wish it some other way. Or just watch the YouTube video because honestly, it's great. But yeah, guys, anyways, that was the Canadian Perspective signing off. Goodbye.